0: The church, first point, because this is the church he's speaking to in Jerusalem, the church did not see the big picture plan of the gospel. They did not see. They did not see the greatness of the Great Commission. They didn't see it. They were so blind by their own old traditions and ways and culture that when someone came to faith, they didn't, their, their reaction wasn't praise God. It was, Peter, what's up? Instead of praising God, they criticized They did not yet have the eyes Peter had, okay? That makes sense so far, right? Now, I'm going to read from verse 4 to 16, because Peter is going to try to help them see. But Peter began and explained. I like that. That Peter didn't, because Peter has a reputation of being a hothead. So when they came up, And started criticizing him. Oh, we heard you ate with the uncircumcised. He wasn't like, oh, you heard you ate with the uncircumcised. That's not not how Peter reacted. Peter wasn't like, oh, I heard you. You No, he didn't do that when they were coming at him. But think about it. When someone comes at you and criticizes you, right? Like, what's your reaction? And they press you. It's like, oh, you know, like, but Peter doesn't do that. And I think that's so noteworthy because Peter knows he was just like them a month ago. Peter's been humbled. Peter knows, okay, I love these brothers. I was just like them. I thought just like them. I used to look, I used to scoff at people. I used to look down on these Gentiles just like them. But so what does he do? He begins to explain. He gets to work. Explaining stuff is hard work. But he's down. He he expounds. He exposes. He declares to them. And in order, not not sloppily, and he tells the whole story. So I'll read it with us. So he says, I was in Joppa. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance, I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, let down from heaven. It's four corners. And it came down. So he's reminding them, okay, I saw this vision. And then he, verse 8, and, but I said, no way. I'm not going to touch anything that's common. Verse 10, this happened three times. So he's telling them the vision. I said, no. Verse 11, behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, and they sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me, now here's a big noteworthy, he brings in the Holy Spirit, okay, the Spirit told me, God told me go with them, make no distinction that's what I was doing, I was making distinction, and then Peter brings in this other important fact, six brothers were with me, six brothers who are part of us, he didn't, we didn't hear about that in chapter 10, six witnesses, six eyewitnesses verse 13, he told us how he'd seen an angel standing in his house and said, send a Joppa and bring Simon, who's called Peter. I'll declare to you a message by which you'll be saved. That's, re- that's um, repeat, uh, reminder, unless you hear the message of Christ, you don't get saved, right? Salvation comes by hearing the, the word of Christ. And so he says, okay, tell, um, declare the message so you'll be saved, you and your household. Verse 15, as it began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as it was on us. Verse 16, and I remembered the word. And he quotes Matthew chapter 3, I believe, verse 11, that John baptized with water, but now you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Note this, Peter does not snap back at them when they criticize him. What he does is he works really hard to help them see what God showed him. You see that? If someone doesn't have the same convictions as you, or they don't see it in the scriptures the the way you see it just yet. Nurture each other. Don't snap at each other. Oh, you don't see that we're saved by grace. Oh, and you bust out all your big theological words and make them feel less than. Don't do that to each other. Remember, we're all on a journey at a different pace. Oh, you don't get the doctrine of election. Oh, you saw... Slow. Don't do that to each other. Peter doesn't do that. I love Peter's shepherd's heart here. Remember back in uh, chapter 10 when they said, hey, can you stay with us? And Peter stayed. And now he gets to Jerusalem and these brothers don't really get the word of God in full and what does he do? He gets to work and tries to help them understand. And he breaks it down piece by piece. I love how pastoral Peter's heart is. Like I said, there's things at New Honor Baptist that God is still showing me. I'm still trying to figure out myself. And if God shows me something, and and it's really there in the scriptures, I'm not going to run around and yell at you guys if you don't get it and see it. No, we're going to work together. We're going to teach and admonish one another. I, I think of Peter imagining him hearing the words of the Lord saying, if you love me, Peter, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. This is a moment of Peter working real hard with this Jerusalem church to help them understand the missions, like that this, this gospel is really for everyone, guys. It's not just for us. But he doesn't yell at them, and he doesn't snap. He works patiently with them. First Thessalonians 5.14 says this, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. All of us don't see Christ's for who he is in full just yet tonight. We're all, no matter if you've been walking with the Lord for decades, we're all in progress. And when we can't see it in full, let's help each other see. That's what Peter's doing. And this is the four things that he brings up in the the verses I read. The first thing he does is he gives an orderly explanation, and he mentions witness affirmation. There were six guys with me, point one, number one. The Holy Spirit's confirmation, the Spirit fell on them just like how it did on us. Number two, and then he quotes scripture. This is in line with scripture, scripture application, point number three. You see this, the case that he's building? To, to help them see, guys, this is real. Cornelius them, don't call them unclean anymore. They're our family. Their baptisms were legit. The Holy Spirit came upon them. And I wonder, in this place, when God saves people, and people come to faith, will we embrace one another like that? Will we? Will we see new creatures in Christ? Or are we going to hold things against one another? As any man be in Christ, behold, a new creature. That's what they're having a hard time seeing Cornelius as. Now, he's an unclean Roman Gentile. No, he's not. I have witnesses, the Spirit came, and the Scriptures testify. What I'm telling you is true. So by the time they get, he, he finishes his whole argument, he gives a rhetorical question. So, the first rhetorical question was in chapter 10. Can anyone withhold water from these guys? No. And then he, he gives the rhetorical question in verse 17. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus, (laughs) who was I that I could stand in the way of God? You see how he built up to that point? He said, okay, God's doing it. Start to finish, spirit's there, witnesses are there, the scriptures say this is going to (laughs) happen. Who's going to get in the way of God? No one. Get out of the way. You cannot stop the gospel. You can't. And even if Peter tried, he wouldn't succeed. Because when God's word goes out, it accomplishes what it desires. You know what's an amazing thought in my mind that I'm just recently getting refreshed on? Is that the gospel is going to the nations. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. That is so exhilarating for me to think. You know how much fuel that puts in you for those of you who care about the world going to hell? You know how much fuel that puts in your heart to want to go to the nations, to send people, to be sent? Like, I used to want to go on missions when I was a young teenager in this church because I just wanted to go do something adventurous. Like, I just want to go to China. I just want to go, like, just send me, send me. And then God had to grow me up and realize, it's not about you, Chris. not about your thrills and your experience. I'm trying to save the world. This is the Great Commission. This is the good news of Christ, saving broken sinners, reconciling them to God, not on the works of their own, but because of my precious, beautiful, perfect son who came, lived perfectly, was slain, and was risen, and calls everyone, repent, trust in me, repent from your sins. This is real deal. You might die tonight. And if you're not in Christ, it'll be a dreadful thing for you to be in the presence of God. This is such good news. It's so good that we can't keep it in Jerusalem, guys. This has got to go to the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, Hawaii. It's got to keep going. There's still nations and tongues out there who don't know Christ. Do we even care? That's a big question because this Jerusalem church wasn't there yet. They wouldn't have a heart for missions. Do you cry at the thought that your neighbor's going to hell? Do you cry at the thought that your husband, your wife, your children, my children, Blue is not a believer. He may go to hell. That freaks me out. We have to see this for what it really is. The gospel is beautiful, though, and its power. It's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This, this message has power. I'm going to send it. That's what's happening. You can't stop the gospel. And Peter's saying, okay, guys, obviously this is a gospel ministry right here that happened. Who's going to get in the way of this? Don't hinder the gospel. Don't hinder the gospel from being sent. And if Peter and the boys stayed in their own prejudice, biased mindset, that's what they would have done. But you can't stop it, because if God's like, okay, Peter, you're not going to go, I'm going to send someone else. Can you imagine there's a bunch of Corneliuses in your workplace or in your house or in your community right now that God's been working on for years? But the reason why they're not hearing it is because you think they're not going to believe anyway. You think they're too bad. They party every day. I've seen how drunk they get. They don't want to hear any of this, so you don't share They could have said the same thing about Cornelius. Well, he's a centurion. That guy parties hard. He gets chicks all over the place. He's, He's just some rugged soldier that kills people. Peter could have thought that and stayed out of his house. No. He went and preached it. Little did he know that God was working on his heart. I love this stuff. I love the gospel. I love its power. It is worthy of every breath. Not that we just sing, but that we speak, that we tell, that we live. Those of us who love people, do you love them with the love of God so much so that you really do want them to hear this message? And remember, like we learned in past weeks, tell it all. You never know. Who am I going to stand in God's way? Big question, are we hindering this message? Are you missing out on being used? That's really it. Because when God effectually calls someone, it's going to happen. I'm just at this place in my own journey where I'm like, dude, I could be a part of this. I'm down. Sign me up. Put me on a plane. Or put me in a church. Whether I pastor at a church for 50 years, if God gives me that. Or five years, sends me on a mission, whatever. Or takes me out of the ministry and just makes me a, a server or a fireman, or whatever you want to make me, Lord. I don't care. I'll be the guy at Walmart that just does the ticket stuff. But I'll do that with all my heart for the glory of God. And am like, hey, how are you doing? You look sad. I'll write verses on the ticket thing when I give it back to them. I'll do whatever I can. However, wherever God wants to put you, wherever we are, we're on mission. A great commission. Do you see how great it is? Guys, this is life or death. This is heaven or hell. Let's not stand in the way of God. John 10, 16, Jesus says this, there's more sheep of this fold and I'm going to call them home. Wouldn't you want to participate in that work? Don't you want to be his hands and feet? Wouldn't you love to be a, a, an instrument of righteousness where when we cross over and we get there, there's going to be a brother or a sister that looks at you and say, hey, remember when you were on the way to Maui and you sat next to me on the plane and you took the 30 minutes to share with me about Christ and my sin, I'm here now because of you. Thank you. Let's be his hands and feet wherever we are. I love, Michael shared with me earlier, he, when, I t- when I did the whole gospel with your hands things, you know, sinful, rebel, under God's wrath, but Christ died for my sins and was raised. He got to share that with a co-worker this week. I was like, yeah, man, keep it going. Just do it. Just go. Can't stop the gospel, but you can stop from being used. Verse 18 to close. So when they heard these things, they heard Peter's case, they heard all the points he made. You got witnesses, the spirit confirmation, scripture application, They fell silent. I love that. I think we need to do that more when we hear the word of God. We need to fall silent. Breathe it in. Be still. It's the same verbiage used like the psalmist, be still and know. They fell silent. They ceased striving. They had all this fussy-wussiness when Peter rolled in and they're all pissed off that he hung out with Gentiles and they had all these arguments in their hearts and then when they heard what Peter said, they hushed. They breathed it in. They're like, whoa. Wow. Wow. And then they, what? They glorified God. The reaction they should have had at verse 1. But they weren't there yet. They just They just weren't there yet. But now they're there. Now they see what Peter saw in chapter 10, and they're like, oh my, I'm wrong. I was wrong to judge. I was wrong to judge. When I look at many of your faces, because I know many of you, and I think of your conversions, and I look at you tonight, and I think of who you were before you came to Christ, I think of what you were, how you were. God gave you the faith to trust in him. Oh, I fall silent and I glorify God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for saving Cornelius. That's what was going on in their heart now. Thank you, God. Because what did they say? Then to the Gentiles, also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. These are big words. God granted, God gifted, God gave it, God did it. Not them. They're saved by grace. And they're praising God now, they're over their criticisms. god-granted repentance it's a big word metanoia it's not just a changing of thought it's a total change of purpose and attitude and mind have you truly repented and turned to god it says repentance that leads to life those are you can't separate them true repentance true hatred of sin hatred of sin. It's a change of mind. I hate my sin. If you profess faith, but you love your sin, you have your secret little sins that you cling to because you love it, love it, love it. I say love it because you might have secret sins, and you hate that you're stuck in that. And brother, sister, I'm praying that all of us would get delivered from those things. We all have those vices. We all have things we're wrestling with that you give into in the secret, and you go, oh, why? Wretched man that I am. Lord, help me. Get me out of this. Save me. But I'm speaking to the person who no, you love the darkness, but in the but you like to tell people you're a Christian. See if that's you this evening or if you're listening online and that's you, you have not known true repentance. That's fake repentance, that's the Pharaoh kind of repentance. Oh Moses, pray, I'm so sorry, I'll let you go, and then the plague comes passes, and nah, stay. Oh, Moses, please pray again, I'll let your people go, I promise. Neh, and alike. That's fake repentance. God granted Cornelius and his house true repentance that led to life. In closing, they began to see now how great the Great Commission really is. Now they see it. Now they're glorifying God. Now they love the thought of Gentiles coming to faith, beginning to. Oh, I pray that we would see how great this Great Commission is. And I pray that God would grant us all repentance, true repentance that leads to life. Guys, if you taste that, life, the Greek word, ready for this, Zoe, is Zoe. That's the word, life. It's real life, abundant life. Are you living? I I always think of, um, what's the movie, Braveheart? Mel Gibson, I don't, Or what's his name in the movie? Yeah, William Wallace, my man. All men live. Oh no, all men die, but not all men live. I was like, dang, that's good. It's like you could, you could be existing tonight, but you're not living. You do not know the abundant life that John ten ten speaks of because you have not truly repented and trusted in your Creator God in the person of person life. Life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And you have yet to taste what life is. When you taste grace, you live it up. You wake up in the morning. Things are different. Life is different. People ask me how I'm doing. Jobar came this afternoon and evening. He's like, how are you doing? I'm saying, better than I deserve, man. And he's all like, yeah, yeah. I feel that. It's true. We're doing better than we deserve if you have life in Christ. I deserve to be sunk lower than the grave. That's what I deserve. Guys, when you taste this gospel, this message, you have to be chained up to not go on missions. They have to lock you in a closet. They have to put you in jail. And even if they put you in jail, they can't stop you. That's what we're going to see later all through the rest of the book of Acts. From this point forward, the church is on missions, man. And they can't be stopped. They just keep going and going and going. We are living in a time and a day when our country, when our world nations are so politically in turmoil and and just just a mess. And the nations are raging against the Anointed One. They don't want us to preach this. The world doesn't like this message. The world doesn't want Jesus as king. But we are on mission. We are citizens of the kingdom of God, of heaven. This ain't home. I'm on. I'm, I'm on my way out. I'm good. I was telling a surfer the other day. She asked about my accident and everything, and I don't know why, but I was just like, honestly, though, girl, like I'm. I'm a, even if I did die, I'm good. And she was like, What? <laughs> she, you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it, guys. This world needs to hear this message. Don't forget that. We're on a great commission. The harvest is plenty, Matthew chapter 9. It's everywhere. Those of us who went to the wedding, both my plane rides, broken people everywhere. It just It's amazing how if you just give a little nudge, they just blah, you know? Sister saw me with a lace, like, oh, what'd you do? I was like, oh, I went to officiate a wedding. Oh, are you a pastor? Yeah. Bleh. I'm so lost and confused. Da, 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 da. And that's why, actually, I got this plane, because I worked the airlines, and I just needed to get off the island, get away from my kids. I'm just a mess. Da, da, da. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, hold on. I'm like, well, tell me what you believe, at least. I believe God created stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Take a breath. Okay, you ready? I believe God has put me on this plane to be with you. And I want to commend your faith, girl, woman, sister. And I believe that by you taking that step of faith, to buy that ticket, to get on this plane, God has a message for you. Are you ready? And I spit it. She believed it. And we're just trying to help her find a church in Maui. That's it. But the harvest is plenty. People are like that everywhere. Why? why? This is the Great Commission. Let's go. Right here, right now, where God has placed you, please seek the Lord. See the big picture plan of the gospel and recognize you're a part of that plan. I love this stuff. When you see it, it's wild, man. All of us are here Because God in his providence and grace has placed individuals in our life to tell us this good message. And amen, right? We all needed to hear it how many times? One too many. More, more, more. We need to hear it all the time. And it just slowly trickled its way down into our hearts. And it's still doing it. When I prayed for us tonight before I came to service, I thought to myself, Lord, if your spirit falls on brothers and sisters in this room, And you put a heart, a flame in their heart for missions. And I mean missions like to the nations, to areas of the world that has yet to hear the gospel. Oh, I've been praying that God would make us a church that could send people. But we start here right now at home. Right here, right now. Wherever you're at with the Lord in your journey, we'll pray. Ask for the Spirit to fall on you. Ask for God to help you see. And we'll continue to grow together as a family. Yeah? We're going to pray. I love the book of Acts, it's wild. I'll give us a moment of silence. I really encourage you to interact with the Holy Spirit yourself. First, pray for yourself, and then let your thoughts shift to praying for us. We're all growing together. Our church, New Uanu Baptist Church. So we'll go ahead and have some moments in prayer, and then we'll be good. Spirit of the living God, set us apart. Set us apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I prayed earlier this evening and I prayed again that if there are souls in the house that have yet to truly repent of their sins and trust in Christ and have yet to see Jesus as the most beautiful person in the universe because of who he is and what he's done, I pray that in these moments, that they would repent, confess, and put their confidence now in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, their hero, their rescuer, their Savior, Jesus Christ. The only man, the only one, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, who can actually forgive sins. I pray that souls would experience what Cornelius experienced, that he is clean. There are souls that may have walked into this sanctuary tonight feeling unclean, unworthy, filthy in their sin. And they're right, because we are. And yet in Christ we are redeemed, we're restored, we're cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Give us faith to believe that, really believe that and to live and walk and continue on this life as a new child of God, a new creation. That's what's happening. When the gospel of Jesus Christ really takes its place and prevails in the local church, we can't help it but be sent. We can't be quiet. We can't stop going. Do that here at Nu'uanu, please. Forgive us. Forgive us for getting in the way. Forgive us for our prejudice. Forgive us for our preconceptions and just judging people around us to the point where we don't even think to share, think to love, think to serve, think to engage. Change us, Lord. Convert us how you did for Peter. Convert our attitudes. There are more Cornelius's out there. There's more Saul's. There are more Peter's. Give us faith. I love my brothers and sisters here tonight. I love the zeal I see in their eyes. I love the fervor and the enthusiasm that they have to Study the scriptures and make observations and yet, Lord, please, please, please don't let us just intellectually tickle ourselves and and just think critically. Please, Lord, don't make us merely scholars. We want to be lovers of the word. We want to be transformed. We want to be changed. Only you can do that. So do it and start with us. Thank you, Lord, for having us tonight in this place. So bless us now as we continue to fellowship over a meal. I pray that you'd be with every conversation after this. And as the evening fades, let the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, burn within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.